You give us the ability to put food on our tables and to put clothes on our back and to have a place to live. And you bless us with so many wonderful, so many wonderful luxuries in this country. And we take them for granted sometimes. We want to bless you. Lord, bless the Lord your tithes and our offerings today. Let them multi- be multiplied for your glory. And bless gift and giver. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you again, church, for your generosity to the kingdom of God. Luke and Sarah are here and you can talk to them at the end of the service. They would love for you to connect with them and uh, do that. A couple of announcements. Um, we're, we're continuing with the sermon series, The Circle Maker. Uh, we're going to talk about this morning about dream big. Okay, God is a big God, big dreams. They started a Sunday school class this Sunday morning. You can start, come back next Sunday. It's awesome. Okay, And then tonight for Bible study, for the adult Bible study, I've been talking about uh, what the Bible says about the end times. When will it come? I'll tell you if the, if the Mayan calendar is correct. I'll tell you who the Antichrist is. I know you get getting tired of me joking about that. I don't know who the Antichrist is. But we're going to look in the Bible and find out the truth with, of when the end will come. That You don't have to fear the end. Amen? Are you doing all right? Uh, kids camp, I know Alberto talked about that, but uh, kids camp, the deadline is, is registration for next week. We also need an adult who could go. We will pay your way adult uh, to help us out. We need to try to get a, a camp set. If we can't get it, we'll have to move it. But please uh, keep that in mind. Um, continue to pray for Hannah uh, Laguerre, Annette and Christian. She's still in the hospital. I haven't heard any word today of how she is. But let's continue to pray that God's hand be upon her. Amen? So they closed up her chest, you know, uh, kind of a it's, a... it's amazing. Your and I heart is about the size of our fist. And I was, when I was visiting Christian Annette, and little Hannah was sitting on the table, and they closed her chest up and you know, bandaged up. And I looked at her little tiny baby, little tiny fist, and I mean, it was like that big. Just small. And I thought to myself, it's amazing. Thank God that, that doctors can... can can operate in a little heart like that and they can fix a ventricular valve. I thought, Lord, you're amazing. Thank you for science and medicine and, and Lord, thank you for your goodness. And so she's doing pretty good, but let's continue to pray that she gets healed up and that she can get home and, and be with, pray with mom and dad. As you know, it's pretty tough. You're, you're firstborn. If you've had children, it, you're expecting just nothing to be out of the ordinary. So let's pray for Christian. And Lord, we lift up to you, Hannah, today. She is your child, God. And we thank you for wonderful doctors and medicines and technicians and hospitals. We thank you because you're a big God. And we lift her up to you. We pray that you continue to heal her, remove any fluid that's in her lungs today, God. You're a big God. And you do big things. And we trust you. And we thank you for what you're going to do, what you've done in this baby's life. You have great plans for this baby. And all the church says thank you. Amen. All right, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn in your Bible uh, in a moment. We're going to kind of, I'm going to read some parts out of Numbers chapter 11. We've been talking about this book by Mark Batterson, which is a powerful book. It's called The Circle Maker. It's an exciting book. I read it back in January. Uh, we have copies in the back if you want them. They're $12. Um, we're on an honor system. So uh, if you take it, there's a little envelope. We just ask you if you could put a check in or some cash for $12. It's a powerful book. I know I throw books at you a lot of times. This book will help you in your prayer life. Amen? God wants you to pray. He wants you to pray big. And so this morning we're going to talk about the dream maker. And we're going to talk about dreaming big. And that God has put, I know you hear me say this, but God has put a big dream in your heart. Or big dreams for lots of things. And I want you to talk about, uh, if you remember the story last week, I, there, there was a man named Honey. And this was between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was, he was a prophet. And in Israel at the time, there was no rain going on. And it was a, there was a severe drought. 
And Sohoni was known for praying before and praying for rain to come down. And Sohoni drew the circle in the sand. And he, had, he took his staff and he drew a circle in the sand. And, and he prayed and he stayed in the circle and said, I'm not leaving this circle of God until you bring rain. And you know the story. He prayed and he prayed and he said rain came. And, and different types of rains came. Light rain came. And he said, that's not the kind of rain I'm praying for. I'm asking Father for more rain. Then a torrential downpour came. He said, Lord, this is not the kind of rain I'm asking for. I'm asking for enough rain to refresh and water the earth. And take your, And then a, a calm, cool, steady rain came. And the drought was over over time. This happened because a man stayed committed to prayer. I want to challenge you. I know we get busy in life and technology and, and the business of life. You're on the metro. You've got science. You've got work. You've got all these projects. you just got all this stuff. I want to challenge us that we need to believe that God is a big God. And that when He gives you a promise, you need to circle the promise is what the concept is. is circle that promise in prayer and say, God, I'm standing on Your Word because You are true. And so this morning, sometimes when we talk about making a circle, I'm sure Honey looked like a fool when he drew a circle out in the sand and he said, I'm going to stay in this circle until God makes it. And they're like, yeah, right. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, none of you are skeptical, right? You're all like positive. You have faith. And so I imagine that some of us might have said, yeah, right. But you see, I'm sure he felt a little awkward at times. And you see, drawing circles around whatever God has called you to circle and believe for might seem foolish. Your friends might think, you're crazy. Why are you praying to a God that doesn't answer? Why, Why are you going to church? Why do you believe? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you even do any of that stuff? But you see, faith is willingness to look foolish. You see, I'm sure, I'm sure Noah looked really foolish building an ark when they didn't even have rain yet. And it took him many years. It wasn't, a lot of times we think, well, it took him a couple months. You know, he, he didn't have Milwaukee tools. He didn't have Home Depot. I mean, he had to have just like... They, they, and so it took years to build the ark. And so I know they mocked and they laughed at them. I know Jesus looked foolish on the cross. I know David looked foolish when he was a young man of 12 or 14 years old running to a battle-hardened giant over 9 feet tall with just a sling and a stone. I know people thought, this kid is going to become hamburger here in a second. I know Peter looked foolish when he stepped out of the boat in the middle of the night to walk on the water to Jesus. I know he looked foolish. I know he thought, this is scary. And he stepped out. But you see, they believed. And the results speak themselves. Noah saved, was saved from the flood. David defeated Goliath. Jesus became the king of kings and Peter walked on water. You see, drawing circles around the promise that God gives you might seem foolish, but I'm encouraging you, be faithful to God. Amen? Dream big. In order to experience a miracle, you have to believe. Amen? You have to believe. God is a miracle-working God. God does great things. And if you don't draw circles and you don't believe, how are you going to allow God to work in your life? Amen? So if you're going to listen to me just for a few minutes this morning, you know, in fact, it's awesome. It's only 10.30. Awesome! I've got like two and a half hours. All right. All right, let me just relax for a second. No, you're like, what in the world? I'll, I'll try to get done by two. So here we go. We're going, to, we're going to talk about Moses and one of the miracles, which was, it could be a miracle, but also it could be annoying. How many of you like to eat? Okay, that means more food for me at the, at the meeting. We, by the way, there's a free lunch. So, so you know the story about how, how the children of Israel were wandering in the desert and God provided them manna from heaven. 
And of course, you know, they were getting tired of manna bagels. They were getting tired of manna waffles. They were getting tired of manna pita. They were getting tired of manna, 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 manna. And so they came to the point, so you know what, we, we want some meat. And I can understand because I, I'm a meat eater too as well. I'm a vegetarian except when I eat meat. You get that in the mind. I love meat. I love vegetables. And so, so they, were, they were craving meat. And so, so they, they began to call out and say, Moses, we need some meat. So let's, let's look at this. Number one, mental math. Numbers chapter 11, mental math. Number one, mental math. Write that down. And then letter A, human limits. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Write that down. Mental math, number one, letter A, human limits. Numbers 11, four through six said this. Then the rabble with them began to, to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also the cucumbers, the melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Can you imagine? There was no chipotle nearby. There was no Panera bread. There was no fresh grocery. Come on, let's admit it. Do you think you and I have limitations? As humans, we're limited, right? You ever get cranky? You ever get testy? You ever get whiny? You ever complain? Come on, we and so can you imagine? I know now cut the cut the Israelites some slack. None of you have wandered in the desert for forty years. None of you had to eat manna. Hey, that's the same rock we walked by last year. Next year, that is that same rock. Oh, now there's a there's a there's a you know bush right there next to it. And so they, they wandered the desert, and God provided miraculously, and they had other food. But there was a time then when God gave them manna, and they were sick of this heavenly food. And it's it's interesting because they said we want meat. Oh, we remember. Isn't it funny sometimes we, we, we think back of the old days. We're like, oh, the old days. Or, man, that was awesome. And oh, if, if life could just be like that. But the thing is, life can never be like what it was in the past because you've got to live in the present. Are you catching this? And so they were complaining. It, it, makes, me, uh, it makes me think, but wait a minute, did they not forget that they were in bondage? Sure, they had free food, but they were slaves. They had to build, they had to build these huge bricks and, and, and they were being killed. There was genocide happening to the children of Israel. And, and so what was happening was they were complaining about the miracle while looking for another miracle. And you see, their human limit was showing. But yet, in, in, in spite of their incessant complaining, God is a gracious God. And sometimes He says, you know what? If that's what you want, I'm going to give you some meat. So here we go. Numbers chapter 11, verses 18 through 20. Check this out. He said, all right, you want some meat? I'm going to give you some quail. Tell all the people, consecrate yourselves. Verse 18, tell all the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat, the Lord heard you when you, want, you wailed, if, we only, if only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat meat. You will not meet, eat meat just one day, two days, five, ten, or twenties, but for a whole month. Check this out. Until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and you have wailed before Him saying, we, why did we ever leave Egypt? So God says, okay, you want meat? I'm going to give you some meat. Lots of meat. Okay, now that's not the whole story, but here we go. Here's the impossible promise. Okay, probably a million people. Has anyone cooked for about a million people? You ever done the logistics on providing food for a million people? Have you done the logistics on feeding 5,000 people? If you have a family of five, I mean, feeding a family, living is expensive, right? 
And I, remember, I told you the stories. I remember there were, there were three of us brothers in my home. And my mom would take us. My dad was retired army. So we, we, we got the privilege of shopping at the commissary. And I remember my mom taking us to the commissary. And I had to go. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a punishment if we got to go to the commissary with our mom. And we, my mom would pull around two carts and we just stuff it full of food. And, and man, me and my brothers, we just ate everything. Can you believe that? Boys just eating everything. I can't, I don't know. And so, so feeding three boys and two adults was a big deal. But feeding a million people. So meet for a month. Let her be impossible promises. Here we go. I'm sure Moses began to start doing the math. This doesn't equate. How, how, how's God going to do this? How's God going to provide for over a million people? His logic was screaming no, but his faith was saying yes. And Moses has a chance to choose between faith and logic. Now, logic's not always a bad thing, but sometimes faith has to trump logic. Okay? And so here is number, Numbers chapter 11, verses 21 through 23. Numbers 11, 21 through 23. Both, but Moses said, Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Question mark, God? Would they, would they have enough if the flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Or is God not mighty enough, basically? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. God is able to provide for your miracle. You need to trust in a God. Is God's arm too short? Is, is there any limit to God's power? There's not. God is not, He is not limited. Well, Pastor Stan, it's the economy. I can't give. I can't do missions. You just don't understand. I do understand. God's arm is not too short. Well, Pastor, that's fine and dandy, but are you going to pay my bills? No, God's arm is not too short. Amen? And God wants to take care of your needs. God wants to, to bless you, but He wants you to live beyond this mathematical mindset that we have. In fact, this reminds me, I love food miracles because I love food. And if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of food miracles, right? And it reminds me of another food miracle in the New Testament in Matthew where Jesus tells them, and, and there's over 5,000 people and, and they're, they're ready to go and Jesus says, and the disciples say, hey man, Jesus, can you send the people out? There's nothing here. There's no bagel shops. There's no five guys. Uh, you know, there's nothing here for them to eat. So, so would you send them off? And what does Jesus say? Hey, you give them something to eat. Remember this? In fact, because of shortness of brevity of time, I want you to look up sometime, write it down, Matthew 14, 15 through 21. It's right there. Write that down. Some of you are just being rebellious and you're reading it right now. Write it down and read it later. In the terms of, of, of addition, they were saying, okay, God, we have like five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, and there's 5,000 people out there. You want us to feed them this. And what does Jesus say? Bring it to me. He blesses it. He puts it in baskets and God multiplies. Instead of adding, He multiplies. What little they had, they put it in His hands and He multiplies it. So the lesson for us is, what little we have, put it in God's hands and watch Him multiply it. Stop being a number cruncher. Stop trying to be logic. Okay, if I, if I have 5 plus 5 equals 10, there's no way God can do this. Or 5 plus 2 does not equal 5,000. But in God's economy, in God's math, multiplication, it does happen. 5 plus 2 is 5,000 plus. He fed, in fact, it says they had baskets left over. You see, when God is added into the equation, He multiplies. 
If we put what little we have, we put it in God's Well, I can only give five dollars. Put it in God's hands and let Him do that. Well, Pastor, I can give a dollar. I'm asking that God would give you a $50 raise so you can give $50 in missions a month. I'm asking that you start finding $10 a week so you can start giving $40 a month to missions. I'm serious. I'm asking that you begin to trust God. I know I ch- I'm stretched sometimes. I get challenged. I wonder. I fear. But I, if I'm reminded, if I put that little bit in God's hands, He will multiply it. And this is not just about money, but the talent you have. The gifts, the abilities, that little bit of faith, if you put it in God's hands, say, God, I'm going to put a circle around this. I'm going to believe for this dream. I'm going to believe for this thing you've called me to do. You can do it. And watch Him do it. Amen? Stop trying to think with the logic of the world that does not always equate with God's power. Amen? We must believe that God can fulfill any seemingly impossible promise. God is a big God. I mean, this really happened. He fed the children of Israel manna and quail. Jesus fed this, he fed this group of people, not this group, but he, he did this at least two or three times. He provided for the, for the, the, the thousands of people. Uh, that's pretty crazy, right? So number, number the, the, the third one is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Number two, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. How can God do that? Well, He is God. He is a big God. He can do anything. He is, he is not bound by the laws of, of nature. In fact, think about this. Letter A, one decision away. You and I are one decision away from having a different life. You and I are one step of faith into a different type of lifestyle. I'm not talking about, and I know, I, and please listen, last week I, I said that, and I was being serious, but sometimes we get so caught up if I had this certain car, if I had this certain hairdo, if I had this certain job, if I had this certain degree, if I was married to this certain person, my life would be better. That, that's not true. Those things could help and they could be nice. Nothing wrong with having a nice hair day, right? Nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with having a nice job. Nothing wrong with a degree. Nothing wrong with living here and there. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But if that's your focus, you're missing the biggest dream that God has for you. God is bigger than that stuff. Stuff's nice. It's, it's great. But God wants you to live beyond stuff. He wants you to be a blessing to the world. He wants you to dream big and say, Lord, I want to use my stuff to touch many people's lives. I want to be an instrument. I, I want to go and do what you want. And so what happens is we get so caught up in, in this one thing. We say, well, God, I only have this much. I can't do anything. I can't do anything, God. And, and a lot of times God says, just give me that little bit and watch me do a miracle. And we're one decision. We're, we could be that one decision by taking that step of faith, by putting that little bit in his hand and watching him multiply. Is God's arm too short to say? I would say no. You see, one defining decision can change the trajectory of your life and put you on a new path to the promised land. And I know some of us, we're struggling. Some of us are passionate. You don't understand the economy has been hard on me. I understand that. It's been hard on everybody. I mean, the Nelson family, we have cut back some things as well, just like you. But we said, God, you're faithful to us. You're always faithful to us. We're going to see this through. And you see, so sometimes as a, as a church, we think, well, we, we should just draw back, Pastor. You're crazy to think about us planning a church. You're crazy about wanting to hire two new staff members. You're crazy. God wants us to take steps of faith. He wants you. Pastor, say, I get tired of you putting up that screen that there's 150 people in this church and if every one of us won one person, 300 people, and, and if the 300 would reach another 600. I'm tired of that. that. That's not possible. That's right. That's not possible when we don't, when we don't trust in God. It is possible when every one of us say, God, help me to reach one person for you this year and disciple that person. And then, Lord, the next year, let both of us then split up. Let us divide and conquer. 
And then, Lord, let Rockville Assembly grow so they can plant more churches, not only here in the, in the D.C. metro area, but in Bangladesh, and in India, and in China, and South America, Central America, and Europe, in different parts of the United States. Why not? And you see, some of you, God has given you this big dream. It's crazy. I'll never achieve this. I'll never, this thing will never happen in my business. I'll never achieve that. And God said, that's not true. I gave you that dream. It might sound crazy, but you need to draw a big circle. You're one decision away, one decision away from getting out of small-minded faith to a large thing. You see, Moses could have said, I'm not going to say anything, God. I'm not going to talk about this food, food thing. You're crazy, God. But he didn't. You see, the quail promise was one of those defining moments for Moses. And you see, the question for us is, what do you and I do when things don't add up in our minds? Do we still serve God? When that checkbook looks a little empty at the end of the month, I understand that happens. When, when, when the boss says you're going to be laid off at the end of the week, when the doctor says your time is short, my question for you, is God's arm too short? Is there any limit to God's power? There's not. What do you do when God gives you a dream that doesn't seem to be logical? And it doesn't, it doesn't work with the, the constraints of your left brain. Right? Because your left brain, is this correct? You, you smart people out there, you, you neurologists, the left brain is the logical part of the brain and the right brain is the artistic, right? Right? I don't even know because my Abdullah Abdullah is not awake right now. You know, my, my cortex is not awake. What, I mean, whatever, God gives us this superhuman computer and so sometimes our logic outweighs the power of God. What do you do when the promise seems impossible? What do we do when, when it seems foolish to trust in God, saying, I'm going to take care of this? You see, Moses go ahead, he goes ahead and tells the people. He tells them what the Lord is going to say. And I'm sure that this was probably the, one of the craziest sermons that Moses preached to the congregation that day. This was probably the craziest vision casting day that he had. You know, sometimes I do that. Every, every once in a while, I'll put a vision up there and say, let's do it. And you're like, yeah, right. I mean, can you imagine if, I, if, if God said, okay, you're going to reach a million people this year. We're going to do it. Some of you like, Pastor has gone off something. Why not, though? If God tells us something, He wants us to believe in Him. Amen? And you see, so, so He was willing to be a fool for God. And Moses had no earthly idea how God was going to do that. And you see, sometimes we get in the way of God because we say, well, how's this going to work, God? And sometimes you need to shut your logical mind up just for a moment and say, God, let your faith your power trumps my logic sometimes. Logic's good. Okay? That's good sometimes, but God is above our logic. Amen? Moses had no earthly idea how God was going to do it, but you know what? That was God's business anyway. Why do you stress about how God's going to provide? Amen? Come on, right? Why do you get worked up and say, God, God says, I'm going to do it. Cast all your cares upon me. I will sustain you. How are you going to do that, God? I don't understand. Don't worry about it. God says, I will, in the, the, the epistle it says, I will meet your every need. How's God going to do that? Don't worry about it. He's been doing it for a long time. Right? Let God do that. Let God be God. Get out of His way. Amen? I can't figure this out. This is crazy. Stop. Let God take care of it. Amen? You see, if, if the dream is from God, 
He will make it happen. You just got to step out in faith. Amen? Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. But because anyone, because anyone who, who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God is going to bless you when you trust in Him. Amen? You doing okay? Letter B, here we go. The law of measures. The law of measures. You see, Moses was at a place where the situation was beyond his control and his comprehension. And you see, you and I face these kind of situations every day in our journey of life. Deadlines, bills, medical needs, situations with family, situations at work, situations in our world. And you see, Moses was left at a place where he felt like he was jumping off a cliff without a parachute or a set of wings or, or without some way that God would take care of him. And you see, sometimes circling the promise that God has put in your life might seem like the same way. You think, this is crazy. How is this going to happen? Uh, this doesn't measure up. And you see, sometimes circling the promise of God is risky, but it's even more riskier by not circling and promising God because you, you and I miss a miracle. How many times do we not circle and believe and we miss the miracle? Instead of stepping out and saying, I'm going to draw the circle, I'm going, to, I'm going to believe God for this miracle, but we don't because we're afraid. We all fear. We all have that issue. There's no one perfect about that. You see, but the greatest risk is failing to circle the promise because then we forfeit the miracle that God wants to perform. God is a miracle-working God, amen? He does miracles every day. And He wants you to trust in Him. In fact, Mark Batterson talks about, in this book, he talks about how, how God had told him their church was very small. They had a very small budget. They were a, they were, they were a, a church plant. And, and, and Luke and Sarah are going to go help church plants. A church planters start with nothing. Olivia and I, my wife and Olivia and I, when we went to Utah, we had her and I and the Holy Spirit. And we went out. We said, God called us. We sold our little town home. And I, I look at that. Sometimes I look at... Anyway, I'm going to get off. We sold our little town home. We paid for our moving costs to live there. We lived there for a while. Olivia immediately found a job. And, and the promise from our district was, we'll just give you some money. It's not going to be much. We said, God's called us to do this. We're going to do it. We, I left a good staff position. I was the second pastor on, on a staff of five. And it was good. The ministry was good. I mean, things were happening. And we left this. Some people are like, are, are you sure, Stan? Are you sure this is what God wants you to do? Yes, God called us to do this. So we put a circle around this. And we, plant, we left our home, our family, our friends. We left a good job and we went to plant a church when we knew nobody out there. Two people we knew in Ogden, which was about 45 miles north. And we stepped out in faith and God did the rest. And it went from Olivia and I and the Holy Spirit to a church of about 150 people in a two-year span. Because we circled the promise that God, you've called us to this crazy thing, but we trust you that you're going to do it. And he did. You see, Mark Batterson, when he planted National Community Church, some of you might know it's theater church. They have a large church. They have campuses all over. I told you last week they're going to be starting a church in Berlin. When they were at a place that God told them to write a $50 check to missions, a $50 faith promise mission check to the church, they're like, we don't know how this is going to happen. There's only a handful of us. We're not a self-sufficient church yet. We don't have the money. But they went ahead and wrote the check out. And their, their missions budget went from $2,000 to $6,000. And they've never looked back since then. In fact, now that church has a million-dollar missions budget. Because they stepped out in faith and said, we're going to support a missionary. We're going to write a $50 check. We don't have the money at the moment, but God's told us to do it. And once they did that, their, their missions income just doubled or tripled. 
And then from then on, over time, it began to grow. And you see, God can do that kind of stuff in your life when you and I take a step of faith. When will we live in obedience to what God calls us to do? You see, when God gives you a vision, He will be the provision. Come on, amen? Don't fear the economy. Don't fear what's going on in the world. Trust God. But pastor, this is crazy. This is crazy. Is God's arm too short? Is there any limit to the power of God? There's not. I mean, if God can feed over a million people manna and quail, and Jesus can feed over 5,000 people two or three times, I think God can do that miracle in your life. In fact, I don't just think, I know. He can do it, amen? Whatever God's calling you to do. So let's talk about quail again. Quail again. All right, so here it is. Number three, quail again. Come on, hit the next slide. Quail again. This is Mark. He came up with this. This guy's a smart guy. He's awesome. So in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 through 32, now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quailing from the sea. It brought them down all around the camp to about three feet above the ground. As far as a day's walk in any direction, all that day and night, all the next day, the people, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. Now let me just read this to you. This is an excerpt from the book. I'm going to read it to you. I, I, I put it on here. It says this. Based on the Hebrew system of measurement, a day's walk was approximately 15 miles in any direction. So if you square, this is Mark's such a smart guy, I would have never figured this out. If you square the radius and multiply by approximately, excuse me, let me do it. So if you square the radius and multiply by pi, we're talking about an area that was almost 700 square miles. To put that into perspective, Washington, D.C., just down the road, is 68.3 square miles. Not only is that area... Uh, that area ten, ten times larger than the nation's capital, the quail were piled three feet deep. Okay? In a 700-mile radius, you got this? Quail were piled three feet deep. Can you imagine that? Quail again. Okay? Once the quail stopped falling, the Israelites gather, started gathering. Each Israelite gathered no less than ten homers. Ten homers multiplied by 600,000 men equals, this is just the men, equals 6 million homers at a minimum. A minimum. A homer equated to roughly 200 liters. That's a lot. 200 liters. And assuming that the quail were of average size, it ranged somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million quail. You heard that right. 105 million quail. God doesn't just provide in, in dramatic fashion. God provides in dramatic proportion. See, Moses never anticipated a prayer answered like that. You see, you and I, we never think that God can do above what we ask sometimes. Come on, be honest with me, right? I, I, there's times when I pray, God, I don't know how you do this, but I'm going to pray anyway. And I, I think, you know, that's the wrong attitude. God, I know that you can do this. I don't know how, but I know that you can do this. Amen? And so here it is. Let me talk about it, Jesus again. Jesus taught multiplication. Jesus taught multiplication. Do you think perhaps you and I need to stop doing arithmetic and start doing spiritual geometry? 700 square miles, 15 miles in any, in, in any direction. God filled that place up three feet high with quail. You and I need to stop trying to crunch numbers. We need to stop trying to add things up. Amen? Your job is not to crunch numbers. You got that? Unless you're an accountant at work. But in, in the faith sense, you're not called to say, how's God going to help the, 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 the Bates family get to, to Bangladesh? You're just saying, God, provide for them. And if, if you want me to provide, I'll write a check. I'll be one of those ones. How's Rockville Assembly God going to grow to 300? How are we going to hire two more staff members? You don't need to do that. 
If God tells us to do it, you need to say, God, I don't know how you do it, but I'm trusting in you. If God gave you a promise to start a new business venture, to, to, to quit this job and go do this, or to go to this school, or, or to, to create this one scientific uh, thing, or this, 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 this thing that will help the world, don't think of how it's going to happen. Say, God, thank you that it's going to happen. And I'm going to be a part of that. Amen? Stop, stop thinking in the mathematical terms. Start thinking in spiritual multiplication. Matthew 13.8 says... Still other seed fell on good soil when it produced its crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. You see, Jesus is into multiplication. God is into multiplication. Remember, Jesus fed the multitudes more than once, right? Are you with me? You see, you and I need to rely on God's ability more than our math. I'm thankful because my math sometimes doesn't add up. Right? Sometimes I do things and I, I go above than I should, you know, but God is a big God. Addition's nice, but multiplication is a lot better. Amen? Addition is good, but multiplication... And, and people in the church, well, we just need to add a few numbers. We need to multiply. Because it's biblical. Well, we're not going to know everyone. You don't know everyone now. Well, it's not going to be the same church. It's not the same church. It never will. We'll continue to grow. We'll, we'll plant more churches. That's the goal. God calls us to plant churches. I really, my dream, and I feel God says that we're supposed to plant one church a year out of our church. We're supposed to do that. So I'm, I'm asking you to begin to say, God, don't say, well, how are we going to afford it? Just say, God, you're going to do it. Rockville Assembly God is going to begin to plan. And you know what? I have another dream. I'm going to let you in on that. Rockville Assembly God is going to start giving a million dollars in missions a year. Soon. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I want to let you in on this dream so you and I can pray and believe that God is going to do that. This last year, I just, in fact, I just got it in the, in the mail that Rockville Assembly God gave over $40,000 last year to missions. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. But I want to see that to go to 80000 and then 80,000, I want to see it to multiply. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, Pastor, I, I can't take what little we have, put it in the hand of the Master, and watch him multiply it. Amen? I want Rockville Assembly God to send at least one missionary to every nation in this world. At least one. I want you to trust that God can do that. Amen? I want you to say, God, how can I be a part of that? You see, Jesus is in the multiplication. Maybe it is a multi- Maybe you need to take a step of faith in your missions pledge or tithing. Maybe it is a new career God's calling to. Maybe it is a business venture. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's a, a new ministry. Something. Step out and watch God do the work. Amen? Step out and watch God do the work. Multiplication anointing. Hit the next slide. Multiplication anointing. You see, God is not offended by big dreams. He's offended by small dreams. Or no dreams. He put in you the ability to dream. I, I love hearing about Luke's son that he wants to uh, uh, solve the, the, the world energy problem. That's awesome! Well, it's never going to happen because of the Democrats and Republicans. We don't have enough oil. Who says God can't help mankind all of a sudden come up with some new way of having transportation like Star Trek or Star Wars, right? Maybe, that, maybe there is a dilithium crystal somewhere out there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there is trans-warp drive. I don't know. Maybe we can beam people, you know, changing... I don't know, but why do we... So, we're so limited. Well, I can't do it. All the Republicans and Democrats are all... Who cares? Let's draw a big circle around the Bates kids. I mean, that's the kind of thing I did. I was a dreamer like that. And I grew up and I stopped dreaming. I still dream. I dreamed about finding ways to bring cures of diseases. And I dreamed about how to bring peace. And God showed me that's going to happen through the gospel. 
It's going to happen through Rockville Assembly God, believing that God can do a big thing. Circle that promise. Your business, maybe. Maybe God's called your business to be a billion dollar a year business. So you can give water and food to, to people and teach them how to have better farming. Maybe you can help them discover a, a, a cure for age or cancer. Well, that'll never happen. Why not? Are you hearing this today? It's really quiet here this morning. Well, I didn't come here to hear this message. Yes, you did. God, this is the message from God today. You see, Mark Batterson, he wrote another book, and it's an awesome book. It's, it's in, in the Pit with a Snowy Line. In the Pit, a Snowy Down. Anyway, In the Pit with a Line of Snowy Down. It's an awesome. It was his first book. And in this book, The Circle Maker, he relates being at a men's retreat, which some of us were at that men's retreat in Baltimore. And Tommy uh, Barnett is a pastor. Him and his son had the Dream Center, and, and they bought this Mercy Hospital for $60,000, which is a miracle. And now they help people, homeless and poor people, get a better uh, step in life. They feed them. They teach them skills. That some of them are going to college now. Some are called ministry. They're, they're delivered from addiction. So you can check it out. The Dream Center in L.A. It's awesome. And, and they circled that and said, God, we don't know how to do this, but you're going to provide this million-dollar facility for $60,000. And so... so, so uh, 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 Tommy Barnett was talking about this multiplication anointing. And, and Mark Bass, I don't even know if there's, if there's any theological truth to this, but Tommy Barnett was calling people up saying, I want to pray for this multiplication thing on you. And I want you to come down. And, and there's something that God has. So Mark, Mark Battison was there in, in the crowd with us. He had spoke earlier at a morning session. And he just wrote his book. And the reality is 90% of the books that, that are written, less than 5,000 copies are ever sold. And so he says, you know, God, I just want, to, I want this book to be for your glory. And uh, he came up with something where he said, okay, um, he went down there and said, he kind of sheepishly, I don't know, okay, Lord, if you sell 125,000 of these, I'll, I'll be pleased, and uh, if it's your will. He did that, you know, if it's your will. And God exceeded his expectations. And in fact, that book just blew up. And, and that provision provided for some other things that they were doing in the ministry. And so God multiplied that step of faith. And you see, maybe today, some of you parents, you need to pray circles around your kids. Amen? Well, I'm not sure what God's going to do. I'm like, pray a big circle around your child. Pray a circle around your marriage. Pray a circle around your relations. Pray a circle around your family. Pray a circle around that sickness. Amen? Doctors, medical professionals, pray a circle over your patients. Teachers, professors, pray a circle around your students. I, I understand you get in there and they're like, you know, if, God bless those that work with middle schoolers and kindergartners and fifth graders. God bless you teachers, man. I... I don't know I can handle being in a classroom. <laughs> you know, middle schoolers, they're all about the attitude, right? Right, right, you know? And, I, and, and so instead of you saying, well, this is a job, I'm just doing this, start praying circles. God bless me when I teach these kids. Or, or if you're a professor and the, the people come into your class, God bless these students. Let them make a big impact. Imagine what happened if that starts becoming our prayer. Amen? Doctors, do that. Business owners, pray circles around your business. Citizens, pray circles over our government. Our government needs some circles from God right now. Governments in other countries need God, God's people to circle around their government. Because they're just as corrupt or more corrupt than our, we might think our government is. Amen? Believers, you need to pray circles around that dream God gave you. You need to pray circles around the Bates family. And other missionaries. We, and, our, and pray the circle around Rockville Sunday and say, God, use us to be what you want us to do. Let us believe that you can do it. Amen? The bigger the circle, check this out, the more God can multiply. The smaller the circle, the less opportunity for Him to do a big thing. Dream big. Amen?
Come on, you doing all right? Number four, let me let me fin- start finishing up. Number four, sizing it up. It's only eleven. Oh, it's eleven ten. So you're you're not in a hurry, are you? Sizing it up. Letter A. Is there a limit? Is there a limit to my power? And this is a, this is a, a different version of the Bible, basically saying, "Is my arm too short?" God asked Moses, "Is there any limit to my power?" God's asking you and I the same question: Is there any limit to my power? Is my arm too short to provide for you? You see, what's going to happen is our answer to this question will determine the size of our prayer circles. You see, if we don't draw a circle, then we miss out on the opportunity for God to do a miracle. If we draw a small circle, God will probably meet that need, but God could say, I, I wanted to do more. Man, I wanted to do like a Quelmageddon thing in your life. Can you imagine? Our answer to this is there is, no, there is no limit to God's power. Amen? But yet many of us pray as if our problems are bigger than God. I'm guilty of that. I get so caught up in the things of this life. I get caught up with, with the, the budget constraints of the church and, and in my life and the things that you do and I forget that God is bigger sometimes. And I'm trying to say, God, I want to increase the circle now. I want to extend the circle because I want you to do a great thing. Amen? God is infinitely bigger than any problem you'll ever face in this lifetime. Ever. You got that? All of them together. God is bigger than those things. The bigger the circle, the more God can multiply. Isn't that awesome? Is there any limit to God's power? Absolutely not. Let it be. The size of our prayers is the size of our God. Think about that for a moment. The size of our prayers is usually the size of our God. How could God provide meat for a month? How can God meet my financial needs? How can God help me for this medical emergency? How can God heal this relationship? How can God pull me out of this despair? Is there any limit to God's power? Is, is God's arm too short? It's not. Church, I'm here to tell you it's not. Amen? You need to trust in Him. You see, the size of our prayers depends on the size of our God. There's no limit to God. God exists outside of the four known dimensions of mankind. He exists outside. He made it. He is not limited by our, our laws of nature. Is there any limit to God's power? No. It's not can he, but it's will he? Will he do it? Sure, when we begin to trust in him. Let us see the power of prayer is the power to carry on. You see, sometimes you and I, we have a dream, we have a promise, and we think, will this ever go on? When Olivia and I planted the church in Salt Lake City, that, that first month was the, one of the longest months in my life. We were traveling. I was calling pastors. I mean, look, I can understand. They were, I was visiting churches. Will you support us? Well, we can't afford you right now. We can't do it. And I said, you know what? Just pray with us. Pray with us. And, and, and we were, we were our, our personal checking account was, every month was getting emptier. And when I God, you've called us to saying, we're just trusting in you. We're trusting in you. And that prayer saying, God, you called us to do this thing. And God took care of it. Took care of us. He'll take care of the baits. And I know they're doing that because they're, they're doing it. They're living it. See, God will take care of you. Amen? And you see, it's sometimes beyond our human ability or or it's beyond our logic or it's beyond our comprehension, but God will sustain you. If God calls you to something, He will provide for it. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen. If He calls you to something, He will qualify it for you. You're not qualified first. He qualifies you. He says, I'll call you to this. You do it. You ask any missionary. You ask any pastor. I mean, I thought I was going to be an astronaut, a jet fighter, and then become a microbiologist. But God had other plans for my life. And I love it. I love being part of Rockville. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm humbled that you allow me to be your pastor. 
And I'm excited for your future. I'm excited for the dream that God has given you, but I'm encouraged you pray through. Don't give up on that dream, amen? Let the power of God sustain that prayer. You see, Moses had to wander the desert for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb had to wander 40 years. They were 80 years old when they went to the promised land. Wow! Abraham and Sarah were over 90 years old before they had their first kid. I'm only 46 and I get tired now myself with my two kids. God is able to do that, amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to have an altar time. I don't want you to rush off. I know some of you may have to go. We have a meal after. We'd love for all of you to stay and eat. But I'm saying God never misses His postmark. He always delivers. Amen? He never delivers to the wrong address. He doesn't miss up your shipment. He has a time. He says, this is the time, this is the place, but you've got to pray and believe and ask me for it. Amen? You see, this morning, some of you have stopped believing. I'm asking you to start believing again. Some of you have given up on that dream, whatever that dream might be. You say, this is crazy. I don't get it, but I'm going to tell you God can do it because there is no limit to His power. Amen? In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to come up and say, I want to be delivered from human math and human logic that prevents God from working in my life. I want you to come up in a moment. I'm going to ask for some of you to say, you know what, I, I, I don't want to stop believing in this crazy dream anymore. Some of you need to, to begin to say, God, take this little and multiply it and, and do a great thing with this. Amen? Some of you have got to stop sizing up God. How's the math going to work? Don't worry about that. Let God take care of the math. Amen? But first, I want to give you opportunity. The Bible says that Jesus came to set us free from sin in ourselves. The Bible is very clear that you and I cannot see the throne of God unless we come to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And this is a big step of faith, to, to step out of your faith of whatever you might be.